Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of Tiger Pops. And today we have Abby and Sarah, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, hi, I'm Sarah Hernandez. I'm 22 years old. I live in uh, San Diego, California. Uh, I just recently joined Lily's Patreon. So there's that. And I I know uh, I said this like a bunch of times, but to anyone listening, the way I found out um, about Midnight Poppyland was it was like towards last year, towards the end of the year when I got into it. Because no matter where I went, like any social media, whether it be Facebook, Snapchat, or Instagram, I would get ads from Webtoons, like all these different stories. But the main one to pop up was Midnight Poppyland, and I ignored it. The th- funny thing is, like, I... First, the art caught my attention. Uh, it was just the, you know, the first episode of Poppy walking in on jewelry, cheating on her, <laughs> seeing her climb out of the bushes. And, like, I I didn't pay much attention to it until one day uh, I gave in. And the next thing I knew, I was, like, reading and reading. And I think it was episode 12 that was out for Fast Pass at the time. And I was like, should I fast pass or should I not? Should I just wait? And I saw like, okay, how many days would I have to wait? And then when I saw I'm like, nope, I'm not a patient person. I'm fast passing. <laughs> yep. Um, so my name is Abby. I'm from Texas. And I have been a big MPL fan since it was Discovery, black and white. So I was one of those back in the day. So I kind of feel like this is like, I kind of grew up with this and I love MPL. I've been a big fan and I, gosh, like the glow up from back then to now, it's like amazing. I love it. And uh, I'm so excited to be here. Like I recently um, started listening to the podcast and from the podcast, I even found uh, the Facebook page. And I don't even know why, I guess I didn't think that there was such a big fan base out there. And like, I found my tribe of people and I am so happy to be here. Yeah, these Facebook groups are awesome. There's one that's like a regular Facebook group and a popular fan group. And then there's one for the fast passers and they're both amazing, fantastic. And like, if you want fellow people who are just as obsessed, that's the place to be. I am part of both. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into the episode, episode 45. Um, as usual, there is a lot to discuss, but it's just like, I don't know, every time there's an episode, it's just like so much happiness. Oh, I was going to say, um, there's some episodes where I just like, d- like fan, I die from fangirling. And then there are others where I just, um, crack up and this is one of them. Yeah. I found it too funny. <laughs> so last episode was a doozy because we had... Quincy and Tara and Poppy and Cordy in the restaurant. And of course we had Cordy guarding Tara all the way until um, he admitted he was in the mafia. And then Poppy freaks out and Quincy denies it. 
and Torah flips out. He wants to talk to her outside. She refuses. He's insulted. And in the end, he ends up fainting and not falling off the floor. And Quincy and Cordy drag him out uh, to the car. So that's where we ended off last episode. And it looks like Poppy is very enthusiastic to drive the car. And and that's how we start off. We have um, Poppy driving the car. Quincy's in the back. Quincy's in the front seat. Tora's in the back seat. <laughs> Poppy's, of course, if you see her, she's like tiny. You know, her her head is like in the middle of the steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, and Quincy's first like Quincy apologizes. She says, oh, don't worry. I got this. My friends used to sneak their old family car out so we could drive it around back in my hometown. And which is something that we didn't quite expect of Poppy. Like I would have expected Poppy to be a real rule follower. But oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a good girl, like, you know, she never would actually like get into trouble. Cause I think she even mentioned like back when she was like on the, um, what was it like that mm-hmm. mafia thing where she was like, if adults weren't around, like I kind of freak out kind of thing. So yeah, I kind of was like, Ooh, Poppy. Naughty, yeah. naughty. <laughs> <laughs> yes well to me um kind of surprising but at the same time not surprising because they uh there in that one episode um when Taurus tells her he wonders how often she got away with being an asshole yeah and now she she displays some behavior that is you know out of character for poppy but which is why it's so hilarious she has intense road rage you know you see her slamming down on the horn blaring screaming quit cutting into my lane you son of a biscuit holding her um, middle finger up and, yeah uh, i just love how she can't say something like son of a bitch yet she could she could flip people off yeah it's hilarious <laughs> She has this intensely angry, you know, cartoonish expression on her face. And Quincy is, like, appalled, shocked <laughs> at this temperamental change. And you see it's, like, um, yeah, it's hilarious. Not what we expected of Poppy. No, not at all. Like, kind of totally out of character, you know, because Poppy is, like, kind of, like, this honorable, sweet thing. Girl next door. And then all of a sudden, like, road rage, like, crazy. But I think it's very relatable because um, I even have that kind of road rage. And like because I have my kid with me, usually, um, yeah, my curse words are like this, like son of a biscuit or son of a blee blop or ding dong. And, <laughs> you know, so this vocabulary that she uses, like I find it so relatable and hilarious. Like I think I like read this. It, like in the middle of the night and like I was like trying so hard not to like bust out laughing because it was like late at night of course like everybody does right everybody reads it late at night I'm not the only one <laughs> like try not to like bust out laughing because I was like dude like this is so me <laughs> yeah I, it was the same thing for me but I was actually at the beach uh, with my family and I just like try so hard like not to like laugh in front of them. <laughs> yeah, no, I read it when I'm alone because I have to have my very private reactions. You know, I don't want anybody. Like, I have to have the full range of emotional experience, and like I don't want ever anyone around me. I mean, my yeah, husband's sleeping next to me, and then like I make noise and I wake him up. He's like, "What happened?" I'm like, "I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. Go back to sleep." <laughs> yeah, that, that that's me. Like 
like in the afternoons I like I I'd be having the house to myself so reaction noises and I'm like okay I gotta calm down like I have next door neighbors who can hear me (laughs) dude and then Quincy's face like let's just take a moment to just like appreciate that like (laughs) gaspy like oh like what the heck happened here yeah, and um, the way he like he curled, he lifts his arm, hand up, and he curls it. Yeah, he just hands a lot. He turns out like a big, big part of his. Oh man, I love this scene. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they're, they're driving, and she's talking to Quincy, and she says, "I love this." Uh, she asked him, "Didn't you ask me out to return the hairpin I left at your house?" And Quincy says, "Hairpin? What hairpin?" She says, "It's a flower-shaped one with little like crystal leaves." And she said, it's just a decorative ornament. I turned it into a hairpin so I could have it with me instead of leaving it in a box. And then you see a flashback of her when she's heading in, um, looks like into Quincy's apartment. And she's wearing that, that pin. She doesn't have to enter it when I went into your apartment with Benjamin. And there's another close up of it. Now, she said, Oh, I remember the hairpin that I had at my house is an important check again when I get home. And then you see Poppy looking quite anxious, you know, with the foot mark. And she's like, Oh, darn, I'm pretty sure I left it at your house. And it is pretty important. So could you let me know? No, sorry to trouble you. So guys, what are your theories about the hairpin? There's lots of theories floating around. What do you think? Yes. Oh man, like y'all ready to take out your tinfoil hats here? Because I mean, (laughs) there is so many different stories like, you know, going around about this hairpin. Man, they all sound so dang good. (laughs) I quite agree with them. A lot of people that are saying that Tora probably took it. I feel like that chapter where he's at her house when she cooked him dinner when he was like looking for the notebook. I feel like maybe that's where he came across um her hairpin and probably took it. You know, I was entertaining that idea as well. But then I started thinking about it, and that kind of seems out of character for Tora. You know, the only way, possible way I could see him doing that is if it was like to protect her. So then that also raises the question, like, okay, so then who's the mom? Like, was she part of, like, some mafia clan that we don't know about? Because we know that there's other clans out there. Um, we just haven't heard of them, just besides, like, the Nine Daggers. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. and we know that there's something else brewing, because, like, they've even mentioned it before, like, that there's, like, the rivals, like, there's a war gonna be happening soon. So we know that there's other people out there. We know that there's other clans. And the question is, well, is this maybe like a clan symbol of some sort that we just don't know about yet? Like, oh, man. Right. So, so good. But I I do think I do think that this pin, though, is connected to her mom. And the only reason why I believe this, though, is just because like um, in episode 40, I don't know if anybody else caught it. But in the dialogue, like she says, you know, something's missing from my box. And then it skips over to Torah. And he's looking at the paper that he found um, that day, like when he first met Poppy. And his dialogue says, the only lead I'm left with. So Mm. even though it was Uh connected to Torah, I still kind of tied it into Poppy. So I was like, you know, I I truly think that this pin is connected to the mom. I just don't know, like, how, oh, I don't know, like, how severe or, like, what exactly is its, you know, significance, you know, besides it being connected to her mom, you know? But, oh, man, so many good, so many good stuff out there. Like, I've been hearing, like, oh, well, 
Cora has it. The doctor has it. Quincy has it. Maybe the guy Bobby has it. And Benjamin. Oh, oh Benjamin. Sorry. I don't even know why I said Bobby. Probably because of Poppy, right? Poppy Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> but they all sound so good. Yeah, so I, I agree. I don't think Cora took it either because I don't think he's the you know, he didn't take anything of hers. He only kept the strawberry tie, which is what she gave him. I don't think he's the kind of person to steal things. Mm-hmm. And unless you like you said it's for her protection. And I um I don't think he took it I don't think that anybody took it away from her box. I think she left it because you see when she's with Benjamin, she removes it from her hair. She takes the bobby pin the bobby pin connects with her hair. She takes the bobby pin out to pin Benjamin's hair. So it seems like she accidentally left it there. Um, you know, like put it down next to Benjamin. And, you know, Benjamin's kind of a, a shady kid, right? He, um, whatever was going to happen that night, like, we, we know Tora says, like, you saved three lives that night. He came on a suicide mission. So he's not in a healthy place, right? He's, Quincy meets him at a, this place for, like, couple of teens. So he's not in a good relationship with his parents. So he's not in a good place in his life, this kid. So it's very, to me, it makes sense that he would steal the pin and, you know, maybe want to pawn it or something. And then this might be, this is, you know, people were saying this may be, Maybe it'll get him. Like this, if it's a clan symbol of some important clan or something, this might be how Poppy draws the attention of the mafia world. If he tries to pawn it in the mafia world and people are like, where'd you get it from? And he's like, oh my God, this is a Poppy. And then, you know, and then people trace back. So, you know, how maybe, and people were like, you know, yeah, maybe it'll be the, you know, the, there's so many different people that it could go through. People were like, oh, maybe he'll show it to Shark. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know why Shark, you know, but like whoever he shows it to, if he's just trying to pawn it, it, it probably would be someone in the underworld. And that would be how it gets there. And we know like back in that episode in Club Miracle, you know, the, the pin is very much like this, this panel of Poppy standing in front of Club Miracle with the Baltimore clan symbol in, you know, large over there, over on the wall, feeling and like her, who can close it. So it's not exactly the ball human symbol, but it's very similar. So who knows? You know, and another thing I started thinking about is like, well, what if maybe the like the symbol is like an old clan symbol? Because I mean, it is kind of speculated that the Bothuman, you know, organization has been around for a long time. So then I was mm-hmm. like, well, maybe over the years, like they've just changed their symbol and maybe like this is like an older symbol of what they used to have. But I mean, I, I do, I do totally agree with you. Like, oh man. But I, 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 I kind of like don't want to like go totally go like one way, and then like be like, oh, it didn't happen that way. So I'm kind of just leaving it open right now. Like, I don't want to have any like, yes, it's the doctor that has it. I don't know why. <laughs> I kind of do think that the doctor maybe found it because he kind of seems like the old man that would know if it was an old symbol of a clan or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lily always reminds us, and that's something that keeps us going. You know, there's a lot of mystery in here. Yes. Okay, so Quincy says, I'm with you. and now Poppy says something that I really think is so professional of her. Um, she says, Quincy, I'll need to go through the proposal and contract with you properly this time, because you didn't actually have a chance to read it before you signed, and I don't think it's reasonable for me to accept your agreement. Especially when you only signed it to uh, protect yourself, and like she looks back at Torma and the book. <laughs> and I think it is so so professional because, you know, here we know that Poppy really values her um, her workplace and her and her career, and she wants to get ahead, and she wants to she really wants to sign Quincy for this Mister Land project, but she wants to do it in an ethical way. You know, somebody on on Patreon said she has uh, Patreon or Facebook says she has integrity, and that's like the perfect word because mm-hmm. you can't you know force someone to work with you when they are not 
uh, you know, don't know what they're getting themselves into. So she's really, really professional and respectful in, in telling him this. That is so funny you use the word integrity because that's exactly what I wrote in my notes. Integrity, mm. and I underlined it because it is so honorable to have that kind of quality, you know, in the workplace. Because even though you know that she wants to, like, get ahead and strive to do better, like, she also has that, like, integrity that she also wants to do things right. And even though he signed it, she was like, you know, no, like, we'll go over this, you know, because of that honorable quality that she has, which I think is just really sweet and amazing. And I I really do think Quincy kind of picks up on that, you know, and I think he kind of values that. And I think later on, we kind of see it more or less and I'm jumping ahead. But I do think that at this point, though, Quincy does see the quality that she has, like that Torah probably sees as well, you know, that we all see our sweet little poppy. Yeah. And Quincy, yeah, he's surprised. He's like, you'll be wearing the contract. He said, yeah, I'll just shred it up and just look at it. I probably shouldn't even let my boss know about this, which is, you know, another thing, right? So this tells us a little bit about Gil, like maybe just any boss, right? That he would want her to pursue this, even if it was, you know, signed under duress, He would, you know, because he's, interested in just you know um making sure his company succeeds he would be willing to accept a contract signed and uh and completely uh you know will <laughs> free will uh situation mm-hmm. uh, but Pinty is also ethical because he says he tells her you know i'm legally bonded you know and i swear i won't give you a hard time especially since it's all on me for being impulsive so quincy also recognizes that you know, he did something foolish, and but he wants to honor his agreement, which I find impressive of Quincy as well. He's the yes. man of his words. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely agree with that. Like, and gosh, like, I think Quincy just, I don't think Quincy's had this kind of conversation, like work relationship, like healthy work relationship. Because, I mean, we've seen him in the past episodes, like with, uh, what was it, Martin? And with the Morrison. Morrison. Gosh, I'm getting everybody's name wrong today. Mr. Morrison, like how he, you know, was all about the money. And I don't think Quincy, like, I think that's why Quincy is gravitating towards Poppy and just how, you know, respectful. And even though she's like, I don't show my boss, like, he's like, well, I did sign it, you know. Oh, man. But I do, I do think it shows that he is of his word, which is really, really also honorable as well. Yeah. And this is his, like, work relations that he's gonna start mm-hmm. like see that yeah it's great and, you know poppy is just like has a very healthy attitude she says that as your prospective editor i'd rather have you work on something you actually enjoy than something you're forced into and then quincy for the second time says "Ooh, miss editor he's really cute <laughs> editor it's like kind of like, it's like teacher miss teacher i think it's a very childish kind of thing He's like, you're actually pretty badass in your work mode, right? And then you probably look right hand, they're looking at each other and looking at each other's eyes and not looking at the road. <laughs> you hear this voice say, car. <laughs> and then, you know, they're both looking around. Quincy's like, what's that, bro? You see talking? And then Quincy's like, effing car. <laughs> and of course, you know, Poppy turns around. They're about to crash into this car with this little old lady in it. And Poppy quickly, quickly screeches and turns and narrowly avoids hitting the car, <laughs> which is very funny. Um, and they're they look to be in this pretty upscale neighborhood, by the way. Did you guys also notice that? Like, yeah. the houses are really, really yeah. pretty nice. But I kind of feel like that restaurant or the bar was probably in a nice area as well. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like maybe, like, they're just 
getting out of that area. And like, I guess Tor probably lives on the outskirts of this area. But going back to that scene, though, that's okay. So when I first started reading this, I did think that was like the um, the granny from the sake house or sake granny. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, 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 no, she doesn't have the glasses. That's not her. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know if anybody else has gone through this, like where you almost hit somebody and then you realize like it's like an old person. They didn't even notice that they almost like killed you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I totally understand this. Like that grandma didn't even phase. Like she was like, Mm-mm, nothing happened here. <laughs> yep. And I'm surprised Tora didn't get upset. Like, can you imagine, like, if that's, like, your husband or your boyfriend's car that you're driving and then, like, you almost hit somebody, like, oh, you're never going to drive my car again. (laughs) Yeah, there's always that thing where uh, apparently, like, boyfriends don't let you drive their cars, and now I can see why. (laughs) (laughs) Tora does need to have a reaction to this panel. You know, Quincy says, I was going to direct you to my place, but the road's leaning there might be a little too rough, especially at night. And Papa's like, I'm going to argue with that. And like, you see a thud in the back, like thuds. <laughs> it looks like he just fell over because of the, because of the forest of the corn. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he felt him in, which is not, you know, I, I actually noticed that because I'm like obsessed with seatbelts. Um, so yeah, I noticed that they didn't seatbelt him in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, really nice. I, I don't so, know how he's not to buckle him up. He's safe. <laughs> that's true. He's in the back. He's got plenty of muscle back there. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my um my kid was in an accident when he was four and like he almost died. So I'm very happy that like if he hadn't had seatbelt, he probably would be dead. So I'm very happy that um you know I'm very strict about seatbelts and car seats and all that. <laughs> Yes. Anyway, no, I totally understand. I mean, given that this is a web comment, it I mean, it's a pretty hilarious, but in real yeah. life, everybody, wear your seatbelts, please. <laughs> yeah. And you know what what's interesting is that we we were kind of wondering does Tora live in the basement of like Quincy's apartment or does he live, you know, in that building? So it looks like they don't because he says I was gonna direct in my place, the roads are you know, in a uh, the little rough, so let's basically go to Tora's place. So now we know they do not live in the same apartment building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When he was working out earlier, he probably was working out at, in the gym at Quincy's place because he said, oh, come upstairs. But they don't live in the same place. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and, and it did look like if it it did look like it was like in his like place, like his own place. Yeah. yeah. His apartment is his own apartment. It's definitely, Quincy has this, you know, upscale apartment for his own. Although it seems to be in a okay neighborhood because we see, you know, that's what the next thing that Tori says, uh, that Quincy says. You know, they, they get out and Quincy's like, well, I thought of asking him up, but come to think of it, what would she think of that depressing man cave of his? And you see this building and I love, Lily's so good with the graphics, I have to say. I don't know what, I'm not an artistic, well, I don't know, I'm not a drawing person at this point in my life. And I just, but I just so, I'm so blown away by her, by her graphics, like the building in this episode in particular, there was, it was just beautiful. Everything was so gorgeous. And so like, you know, there's a lot of, it's very realistic. I don't know what they use, if they use is like some real images and some not real images, but it just looks just perfect. So you see this like apartment building and, you know, it's more depressing than poppies. Um, it's like old brick, white brick, a little more like industrial and, um, you know, Quincy's thinking to himself, I guess she, he doesn't bother decorating since he doesn't stay at the same place for long, which is, you know, depressing, right? He he probably feels the need to move a lot to protect himself and for his own safety. 
And, um, you know, somebody on Patreon commented that we always thought he lived in a basement um, because he windows, but Stacey Eldred, she thinks that she thinks Torah picked, um, picked this apartment because the windows are so high and nobody could shoot at him through the windows, which is a very depressing thing to think about, right? And then he lives on the sixth floor, which is also probably safer um, than like a, a ground floor. But, you know, it's just sad. Like, you know, Torah doesn't have a home, right? He doesn't feel comfortable anywhere he doesn't stay anywhere and like a home is a huge part of the person's experience you know if you have a place to call home you feel relaxed you feel secure and torah doesn't have that so it's just, it's just a tragedy of torah yes no i definitely i de- well first going off like the buildings like yeah lily does an amazing job at drawing that stuff i do drawings and mm-hmm. like I cannot do buildings for jack squat. Like, don't ask me to draw a background on nothing because it ain't going <laughs> to happen. So, yes, like, yeah, she, her, her attention to detail is amazing. Um, so, yes, yes, I totally like when you said that, I was like, yes, I'm not the only one that sees this stuff. Like, because I see everything, right? Even like, to, uh, even the littlest thing, like Poppy's eyebrows. I don't know if anybody noticed, but her eyebrows change colors. Somebody else pointed it out. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, all those details, like, I always see these things. And, yes, like, Lily's attention to detail, even in expression, like, facial expressions. And, uh, yeah, amazing. But it is it is very sad. Like, because we have seen Tora's apartment before, like, in the beginning of the episode. I don't know if anybody remembers, but like, you know, it was a really dreary, like, yeah, it looked like a basement, like, like ugly basement. Like nobody was, it was dark, dreary, and it was just him on a couch. Like, it doesn't even look like he has a whole lot of furniture. So we do Mm -hmm. know, and like, it kind of gives off that impression. Like, yeah, he doesn't stay off in, in a place longer than he has to be for protection, you know, like he's on the go. So given that, like, Quincy's kind of confirming that information, like, you know, he he doesn't spend money on decorating because he's just going to probably leave in a few months. And, oh, man, like, it is it is so sad. It's so depressing that he doesn't really have a place that he calls home, you know? Yeah. And um, he gives us another indication. He says, I guess the area is safe, but still what she think of him which I like that, you know, we, we always assume Tora lives in like a seedy neighborhood, but it's nice to know he lives somewhere safe at the very least, which maybe, you know, if it's so close to the upscale neighborhood, maybe he also chose it to get away from mafia elements. Yeah. And he says, what would she think about him? Right. Which is, you know, very conscious. Like I'm very into decorating and um, I definitely noticed how people decorate their house. Let's just say that. And now he says, plus I have to make sure his babies are safely out of sight. And we assume he's talking about his guns, you know, his arsenal, because especially if he's a sniper, he probably has a lot of, a lot of weapons. But, you know, everyone's like, maybe they're his baby hamsters. Maybe they're his fire collection that he sets on fire. Maybe it's snakes. You know, maybe it's, and then people, somebody on Facebook wrote this post, you know, what do you think is these are wrong answers only? Like his, you know, beanie, beanie collection, like, uh, you know, stuffed animals and, you know, actual babies. Yeah, little yeah. toy dinosaurs. Like I saw that. Oh man, it was hilarious. I was like, dude, it's probably cats. Like he has a whole bunch of cats in there. <laughs> I I put that it's probably boxes of strawberry juice. <laughs> yeah, but I really I do think I do think he is referring to weapons though. Um, but given Guessing. given though that we I don't think Tora is that dumb to just leave that stuff laying around though. Like I think Tora is mm-hmm. very like. He probably keeps that stuff safely hidden. Because um, if you really think about it, if he works for the mafia, then like 
you know, a police can come and raid his house or somebody can try and come into his house and like, you know, get information, like how they were going into Goliath's old apartment and stuff like that. So, well, being that he's in the mafia, like, I'm pretty sure like he's like, you know, really conscious about like his weapons and like where he leaves them and stuff like that. I don't think he's going to leave them out in the open, um, given because, you know, his where he works um, and knowing that there are people that probably are going to try to come after him or may have tried to come after him, you know, just trying to get information. Um, I, I do think he's very smart and, and as, as to like putting those things away. Um, but I guess maybe since Quincy, I don't think Quincy goes and visits Tora's place very often. So maybe Quincy is like, you know, uh, you know, just to, just to be safe. Like I shouldn't let Poppy up, you know? Right. And, you know, he's like, I think I'll get a cap or I think I'm going to make a statement tonight. And now we see that, um, and Poppy says, um, Quincy, we see that she's helped Tora get out of the car. And it's actually really sweet. You know, he, he just yelled at her and like pulled her shoulder and, you know, was pretty rude to her. And she's really helping him. You know, her, her hand is on his back. <laughs> he isn't leaning on her so much. But, well, yeah, I guess he's trying to, but, you know, she's pretty short. So it is kind of hard to lean on her. But like, it's really sweet. You know, she's one hand is on his back. One hand is, you know, supporting his, his abdomen. And it's just really sweet to see her helping him out like that. Yeah, I think Toro was also being really sweet, though, like, not putting all his weight on her. Because <laughs> he <laughs> is, like, a man made of boulders. <laughs> yeah, it was enormous. really cute. It was a really, really cute scene. I was like, oh. I think we all were. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I was very disappointed that Poppy did not come up. And I was, like, totally expecting this episode to be full of cuddles and Poppy and Tora maybe having a, a sincere talk and, you know, Tora lying helpless on the couch and Poppy and ministering to him. And I was so disappointed that we did not get that. I really was. But listen, whatever. I'll show her whatever she does, I'll take. <laughs> yeah, I think I was the same way too. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to see Nurse Poppy and then maybe we're going to get that cliche scene like where the guy has a fever and he like feverishly yeah. says something so cute like, I love you. And, like, yeah. he doesn't remember that the next day. So I was, like, really hoping for that cliche moment. But I'm okay that I didn't get it. <laughs> My fangirlness did not get it. But it's okay. It's okay. Because I know that there's probably something better that we're going to get later. Because Lily does not disappoint. <laughs> right. And I think something that Lily is really good at is developing the relationship. Um, not making it all at once. You know, they have to have a slow development. And there has to be conflict first. And has to be in avoidance. There has to be time. And there has to be a buildup. So, you know, it's more realistic, and I like that, you know, it's good to have some, it also keeps us on our, on our, on our toes, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Anyway, so Quincy says, you know, I'm sorry, and then he says, I'll manage from here, thanks for having us back, Poppy. And, you know, Ventura's, you know, working, he's still, he hasn't said anything, he's still sweating, looking down, looking terrible. And she said, don't mention it, I hope he'll be fine. And then, you know, Quincy's helping him. He says, okay, Dr. Max on his way over now, I'll go about the car, I'll, I'll park it. And he says, you know, basically he booked the cab for her and it's coming in a few minutes. And she says, thanks. So, and then she goes and, uh, you know, Quincy's like, girl, do catch up on your beauty sleep. You can't hide those dark <laughs> circles from me. <laughs> that makes me wonder, like, uh, how many times have, like, Quincy, like, has not had, like, a good sleep that he's able to notice the dark circles 
around Poppy's eyes. You know, honestly, I just find it so amazing that Quincy is so in touch with his, like, feminine side. Like, because, like, his dad is, like, kind of, like, a hardcore, like, you know, I don't, I'm very masculine, like, very, like, cut deep masculine, like, type of guy. Which, you know, Torah kind of is, too. Quincy, like, he's, like, so, like, on a whole nother level of fabulousness that I don't even, like, I don't even comprehend, like, <laughs> and I love it. I love it when he, when we first kind of saw, like, him being intimate with somebody else, like, I didn't know that, you know, his sugar plum, at first I thought, you know, it was a dude, and I was like, oh, yes, like, I called it, I knew it, and then, like, you know, it's a girl, like, okay. But then even then, like, Cordelia's kind of, like, she's very masculine as well. So mm-hmm. I find it so strange that Quincy kind of um, gravitates towards masculine energy. And he himself is very, you know, in tune with that feminine energy in a way. <laughs> but, yeah. yes, I was like, dude, he, he called her out and even said, like, get some beauty sleep. Like, I see those circles, girl. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very – he's – um very caring and he's also what's the word like he establishes a rapport pretty easily with people and you know he's able to like have that friend you know one of the best friend kind of feel immediately you know he pretty much just met poppy properly for the second time he's that poppy period but he's already has this like rapport with her like this chit chat kind of thing so it's sweet you know he 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 see, I think he makes friends easily yeah I, I think it also just goes hand in hand with his personality though I mean if somebody was like, girl, you need some sleep, I'd be like, girl, I know I do. Like, <laughs> you know, I think it's just a really like that openness, just being open about things like that, you know, versus like being kind of like quiet, like Tora, how like Tora even like tells Poppy, like, how do you do that? Like just being like honest, like with your feelings and like being open about it. Like she's just like, don't you? Like it's normal. Like, but I, I think, uh, I think it's just one of those qualities that you gravitate towards definitely and you can see yeah. that like between poppy and quincy like they're kind of gravitating towards each other because they kind of do have that similar personality where they're very honest with each other even in this just yeah. little bit right i can see them becoming really good friends definitely well we'll find out right <laughs> yeah. so now, you know now quincy's left alone with poppy and poppy leaves uh sorry quincy's left alone with Tor. Tor is sitting on the bench you know just looking terrible again and how Quincy looks upstairs and he's like, zero down, six flights to go. Eat. And then he does something which has us all <laughs> blowing our minds. And he bends down and he puts Tora on his back and he's like, buckle up, big bro. It's time to get you and your comfy dino PJs back home where the both of your rifles belong. And he just picks up Tora on his back. And he's about to take him up six flights of stairs. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Because, like, just the last episode, he was like, oh, Sugar Plum, help me. I can't carry this big, manly, boulder boy, you know? Like, <laughs> and, like, all of a sudden, he's like, come on, big guy. Like, I got you. And he's, like, carrying him. He's not really struggling. I don't see any struggle. And then he even, like, one-handedly lights up a cigarette. Like, what? <laughs> yep. I mean, we all yeah. knew we all knew that he's fit, though. We, okay, so we've seen him like in the bathtub, and we're like, "Hey, Quincy, looking mighty fine over there," you know. So we do know <laughs> that he's got some muscles, and he does work out because you know we've all seen it. Um, 
But yeah, like I just I thought that was pretty crazy. But then also like I kind of noticed like his demeanor kind of changed. I don't know if anybody else caught that. Like yes. it turned to yeah being like this like oh get some sleep puppy you know and then to this like okay oh okay I guess like I gotta carry this guy upstairs you know and it turned into a more serious Quincy. Which, you know, we haven't seen. I I mean, we have not seen him be this kind of, like, I guess without that facade, maybe, or even that character. I feel like because, um, getting, like, what happened at the restaurant, like, someone had to be, um, the not-so-serious one at the time. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess maybe he was trying to, like, um, the mediator of, yeah. Yeah. Of what was happening, but we've always seen, like, Quincy kind of have this attitude, though. Like, even in his group chat, like, he has a little hearts in there, and, like, oh, drink this tea, it'll help you and your bowels, like, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> you know, even calling them, like, Quincy's angels, like, um, and I think someone else, I think, uh, did you write down that comment? Like, I know someone commented about it being, like, maybe um, defense yep. kind of thing. I wrote down a lot of comments about this, about Quincy. Um, yeah, go ahead and see what you're going to say. Cause, yeah, I have a whole bunch of stuff to say about this as well. I guess being the trauma that he has as a kid, perhaps, like this is like a defense mechanism, like to have this kind of like character of like, ooh, like uh, my sugar plum and this and that. And um, But we do see that he has the possibility to be serious. And we have seen it before. You know, in previous episodes, like when he had to, like, you know, uh, intervene with like his old publisher, but he didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Of course, we we know that he didn't like that um, that revengefulness that he he took with the editor. But I mean, like something like this, though, we can see that it's like a different character. I don't know. I kind of mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I'm getting to know Quincy in a good way, and I'm really liking it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think I wonder if, you know, when you're thinking about a defense mechanism, I wonder if the fact that he um, saw, you know, saw some excuse, and he knew that he would be expected to take over the clan role, I wonder if this is a persona that he deliberately cultivated so that he would avoid uh, having to step into, because, you know, we know that Vincent Vincent saw says, you know, his mom included take over, and that's probably what he was doing Cora for, to take over in the camp. Or to be like the the person behind, you know, the the head. Um, I wonder if that's how Tora, uh, he had to, he would protect himself. You know, I'm gonna put on this persona of I'm this soft boy and you know this like harmless person, and now my dad can't expect me to take over, and this is how I'll. I'll be. I can definitely see that. Like, cause I think even like Vincent even mentioned in previous episode, like you know, um, when he was having a conversation with Tora and like. He was like, yeah, you know, I, now I understand why people think that you're like my love child or something like that around those lines. Like, I I really do think Vincent maybe is trying to train Tora to take over because I guess maybe he sees um, Quincy. I don't know, maybe like he needs that help or maybe he wanted Tora to rub off on Quincy as because mm -hmm. it looks like they grew up together. Um but yeah, I, I do really do think that it's like a like a defense mechanism. And it doesn't seem like Quincy kind of wants that title, you know, to be. I mean, he even writes anonymously, you know, he doesn't want that title. He doesn't want to be associated, I don't think, with, you know, his dad. Um, I think he's just trying to veer off like he doesn't want it kind of mm -hmm. like the crown. He's like, I don't want the crown. 
you know he wants to he wants to not be associated with it he doesn't want anything to do with it even when he tried to in, like to to take revenge over the the previous publisher like even then he was like i don't like it he was mm-hmm. being completely honest like he was just like i don't i don't like this feeling and how do you do it torah like you know um but yes i i do think it's a defense mechanism like big time just so that people don't think that he's capable of even though he is like we do know that he clearly we can see he is you know he can hold his own yeah Yeah. i do i do think this scene was just like amazing yeah i know and one of the comments that people people wrote because there's just so much wisdom that they wrote and everyone brings out something different so shannon says and i'm just going to directly quote i'm starting to see a similarity between quincy and poppy both acting small and helpless when it serves them but being stealthy strong and smart and I think that's true. You know, he, they both have this like act that they put on, but really there's something deeper going on underneath. And Shayla, Shayla said on Facebook, she says, my thoughts, Quincy isn't as helpless as he makes himself out to be. When others are around, he asks for help. It makes it seem like he needs someone to be there. But when he's alone, he's a total freaking badass. I think this stems from a lack of attention throughout his life. We don't know the whereabouts of his mom. And we know Vincent is a total douche and comes off as the parent who would try to buy his kids love and place potentially funny. It seems to me like Quincy craves genuine affection, hence why he doesn't show this more badass side and why he writes anonymously and mentions not using his status to get what he wants. Like he wants real love and someone to care for him, not for what he has. Mm. And I thought that was very perceptive that, you know, gosh, like he couldn't figure out like where, in what situations does he allow this side to come out? It's with Pura where he's more comfortable, you know, maybe where he feels like he can relax as well. You know, but I do think it's really sweet that he shows this side to Torah. You know, I kind of feel like they have a really close relationship. Like, growing up together, like, I kind of feel like they have that, like, brother, big brother, brother relationship. And they all call Torah big brother. Um, and I, and I really do think, like, in a way, Quincy looks up to Torah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a big way, but I am very curious. Cause like at the end of that comment though, it was saying like how, um, he's seeking attention, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of curious, like, and I hope that Lily kind of does like a lot of, um, or does a couple of like scenes when he's a kid. Cause I am kind of curious, like we all know that Vincent's capable of being, you know, a manipulative, abusive dad. Um, cause we mm-hmm. see the way he treats Torah, but I'm kind of curious, like, was he the same with Quincy? Because in that scene, like when they do the flashback scenes of like Torah being locked in that like dungeon kind of thing, you know, you hear Quincy in the background, like, Hey, can't Torah come to the beach with us? And he's just like, no, he's in trouble. Like, Oh, bummer. You know? And I'm kind of curious, like, did Quincy ever get punished the way that Torah did? You know, like, where does it really esteem, like, this whole um, defense mechanism that he he has? Or did he just play that role of, like, helpless, defenseless so that he didn't get punished like Torah did? Yeah, and something else that Lulu says actually really echoes what you say here. She says, um, quote, that his interactions with Cordy and Poppy are making me feel like while Torah was abused and tortured, Quincy didn't get out of childhood unscathed either. He focuses on love and seems very sensitive to rejection. It's not a big step to think that Vincent emotionally abused our Quintess and withheld love and affection, which is why Quincy focuses on it now. Being a pushover to keep from upsetting someone who's volatile, allowing others to see you as meek when you can carry a giant up six by six feet. 
yeah, Quincy and Tora share a bond that was probably forged by the trauma of growing up with him. And I think it is so perceptive. You know, he probably, again, to protect, to protect himself and to think that, to make others think that he wasn't a threat. You know, a lot of times, like when you're dealing with his abusive dad, right? He's like, okay, I don't want to get hurt. I'm going to show that I'm not a threat to him. So, yeah. No, that's yeah, very perspective. Very, he's very into love. Like this whole thing with his neediness with Cordelia also shows that I think he's missing love and affection. Yeah, that is so true. That is so true. And then we see the way that she kind of treats him too. Like we know that she's kind of like, like they're not like together together. But I mean, we later on we see that like, you know, they're not together together. They're just kind of like, you know, friends with benefits kind of thing. But like even that, like she is kind of cold hearted too. Like I guess he, he kind of seeks. I guess it's one of those things like when you have um, like trauma, you you end up kind of like going back to those things because it's like a cycle in a way, an abusive cycle. Like that's what we're used to, which I didn't even think about till right now. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we see here that Quint's right. You do, you're right that he does mention that he's um, a bachelor. And he said, as he's lighting up the cigarette, he said, looks like you're stuck with me again. Us bachelors got to stick together. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people were like suddenly screaming over Quincy. And, you know, it's this, we talked about this when it comes to like the concept of alpha male. You know, we admire strength and clearly, you know, he's strong enough to, to carry lucky steps and single-handedly light up a cigarette at the same time. But also they show something very considerate. He says, you must have been craving for this all night. I took it from your car and, you know, he lights it up in his mouth and then he gives it, you know, sticks it in Torres' mouth. So he's just a very... I mean, obviously, it's like, you know, it's ironic because the cigarette thing, you know, it's a death stick, basically. But on the one hand, he does feel caring for his friend. And, like, he knows what he needs. Definitely. Definitely. But I do think he does care for his friends in general. Like, even when he was giving Gayu the tip for, like, the tea. <laughs> you know, so even he cares, like, maybe a lot. Because <laughs> I think that tea was about their, like, his bowel movements, right? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and you know and then the rest of the conversation that he has is also very sensitive and we'll get into it in a bit and um kay on, on patreon says that the fact that Quincy seems so in tune with torah's needs makes me wonder if there's any overcompensation for the lack of love and consideration that torah experienced as a child Quincy is just best friend level max and you know, yeah, that's like, I feel like it's interesting, right? We always discuss, like, how much does Quincy know about how Tora was treated by his father? And if he does know about how Tora was treated, I mean, he definitely knows that Tora feels trapped, right? That much he knows. But you wonder if it's trying to compensate for his lack of you know, love and to, like, kind of make up for what his father did to him. Yeah, no, I could see that, too. I mean, he, obviously, he knows, like, even though you try to hide from kids, like, kids are always going to find you. <laughs> You know, so even though he was a kid, I'm pretty sure he's exposed to how Toro was treated. Um, and I do think that maybe in a way he is trying to compensate because he knows that that was his dad. You know, his dad treated him like that and didn't treat him like that, maybe. But no, I, I do think that was very perspective. That's a really good comment. <laughs> yep. So now they're going up the steps and, you know, Quincy is really very delightful here. But basically, he tells him, he says, um, <laughs> it's a really perceptive line. He's like, I'm sorry for making a mess out of everything. I hope you're not too depressed to talk because we need to talk. And then Tora admits, I love this. Like, he says, I am too depressed to talk. So just shut your effing mouth for once, please. <laughs> and he's like, okay, okay. Um, so the fact that, first of all, that he had, you know, Quincy picks up on the fact that he's depressed. And Tora admits that he's depressed. You know, he's able to 
first of all, he's allowing himself to be taken up the stairs by Quincy, which is a very vulnerable position. So the fact that he feels comfortable enough to do that is great. And also, you know, he's like, <laughs> Quincy apparently talks a lot because he's like, oh, this is enough for once, please. And, you know, the next thing is, um, anyway, I see you dropped the painting act for now. You were just escaping from reality, weren't you? Having completely humiliated herself in public by behaving like a giant baby all evening. And, you know, a lot of us were wondering if if Tora was, was pretending to faint. So Quincy also thought that. But Tora says it wasn't. He's like, it wasn't an act, okay? Seriously, Quincy, F you. And then, of course, Quincy responds. He's like, I mean, sure, you might have to ask Gordy for his consent first. <laughs> That's this crack deal. I love uh Quincy has, like, some really good comeback. Yeah. No, I do like it, too. Like, Quincy doesn't keep his mouth shut, and he doesn't take it. Like, until he gets beaten up by Tora, but he he doesn't take it. But, dude, and even that end, though, he was like, oh, we're just F-buddies, but she doesn't like to share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was hilarious. But, you know, I just think the openness of their relationship is really sweet. Like, Tora is vulnerable. He's letting himself being carried up six flights of stairs. And, you know, he's a big guy. And uh, and the conversation that they're having is just like, you know, Tora just kind of like, I, I think Tora is really sick. I don't think he was faking. I never thought he was faking. Because I was like, dude, Tora's a big ass man. Like, he ain't going to be faking that stuff. Yeah, me neither. I never uh, thought he was faking it. And I know a lot of people are like, no, he's faking. I was like, no, not my Tora. Tora's not faking. <laughs> But let's kind of understandable why someone would think he's like faking it. So yeah, in a way. Um, but I I do think it was a, like a serious thing. Like, and I and the reason why I say this is because I don't know if you guys know, like the man cold. It is a mm-hmm. it is a real thing. <laughs> you know, when guys get sick, like they act like the whole entire world is like falling apart. <laughs> I actually did. Um, I did read somewhere. I don't remember, but I think that um, men are more capable of of processing pain. That's like a uh, trauma pain, meaning like uh, like cuts and wounds and abrasions and you know, um, like let's say stab wounds or like uh, broken bones, those kind of things. And women are more capable of processing like internal pain, like being sick, flu, or the cold, or those kinds of things. So it might just be like a different uh, the ability to cope with different kinds of pain. It makes sense. It makes sense to me. Especially oh, yeah. given that they're always the ones who go to war and deal with those kinds of, you know, those kinds of pain. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, Taurus telling him to just be quiet. But I, I'm kind of curious, like, what kind of talk were they going to have? Like, what kind of talk was Quincy, you know, insinuating? Um, I think he was going to talk about, like, the fact that he said he's in a monkey, and like, what does he feel about Poppy and what kind of relationship does he have with her? Yes, same, like, just wanting to find out like what was really going on because to Quincy uh Poppy's just a girl that well he just like met and he knows that she shares something with Tora but doesn't really know that much and to him uh he's like she's just the girl that his friend likes but now given like what happened he like wants to know like what is really going on and you know he it's nice that he really wants to know exactly he wants to know what's going on in his friend's head like he cares they're good friends i I really like that you know it's good to you need to have good people like that there for you, yeah, definitely, especially if you're in that line of work, right mm-hmm. somebody you can trust at least yeah, it's just it's really nice you know it's um and that might be a reason that 
Cora is not as emotionally uh, disturbed as could be. You know, he does have a few people that he's close with. So, um, you know, that's the end of the Poppy and Beth Ron Quincy conversation. And we see that Poppy receives a text while she's back in the from Quincy. And again, uses the appellation, hey, Miss Editor, see you tomorrow, your office at noonish. And he does hearts. And I, I think the fact that he says, you know, Munich is because he's going to go see Cordy now. And I think he's anticipating having a late night with her. So he's like, oh, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> you know, he's going to stay up late. And he says, I, I know what you're going to say again. But rest assured, I might look like a dandy, but I am a professional. I'm 100% confident that no matter the project requirements, I'll make something we'll be proud of. Have some faith in me. Hearts, hearts. Again, that is just very gentlemanly and chivalrous of Quincy. Where he says, you know, I'm professional, and, and he knows that he looks like a dandy. I mean, he even uses the word that Erdine used. I think it's so like funny that he even admits to it himself, <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's proud. Like he doesn't even have like no shame. Like it's like, yeah, I know what I look like. It's okay. And then like heart, heart, heart. Like I don't think not even my own husband texts me that many hearts. Like <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Though. That's hilarious. Yeah. And I- and right, it, it does seem to be a persona, but then you see his his real demeanor shining through. You know, his professionalism, his commitment to to um his his word, and you know his his passion for his work. Really, you know, he you know you see he loves what he's doing. He wants to make something good. Yeah, I like him. I really do. You know, this episode really brought out a lot in Quincy that made me really like him a lot more than I had before. Same, same. Like, because I mean, you know, all the previous episodes we have seen. Quincy just being this like you know oh, like I've said before you know just an absolutely fabulous person you know he shas you know just is fabulous in general and very like oh sweetie but like just seeing him being also genuinely the opposite like where he was serious with Torah and you know he's capable and able of being that person that persona strong and capable but then, then you see him switch again, like texting Poppy. Like, you know, I kind of feel like that's just his personality in general. And I love seeing that it's like like opening up like an onion because I've only seen him in one light, you know, and now I'm seeing him in a different light. Yeah. And so now we have, we go to the next day. We're at the office. Johnny goes to publishing. So that's the next day. And you see here, Cynthia is talking with Eugene and Jacob. Jacob's wearing pretty much the same thing he always wears, and Erdine has another fabulous outfit on every time she wears something. <laughs> she has this, like, Auvergne eggplant, um, you know, off-the-shoulder top and these tie-dye really cool leggings. And they're basically both, like, fangirling with him. Um, you know, you see that Quincy has generously bought, you know, limited edition books and given it to, um, well, especially to Jacob. Because Jacob's thanking him, thanks for the limited edition books, it's real generous of you. My girlfriend's going to be so happy. She's a huge fan of yours. So we're like, oh, Jacob has a girlfriend. Okay. And, you know, so this Quincy is just a nice guy. Like his first day at work, he shows up with presents. He's, just, he's very, very thoughtful. Yes, I, I did catch that too. And we also did catch that, uh, you know, uh, Jacob's girlfriend, like, does Jacob have a girlfriend? <laughs> and I mean, does, does, he, does he mention... Does he talk about her weight? <laughs> <laughs> Funny. And, you know, they're, um, you know, or he was clearly telling them about the pirate romance story because Dean's like, oh, my God, I want to hear more about this. I hope, you know, future story. I hope you mean next Monday because she really wants to hear more about the pirate story, which is hilarious. I, and love, I love that they brought this back because I don't know if you guys remember back in like episode 44 uh, or was it? No, wait, what episode was it? 24? 24. 
when uh yeah episode 24 is where we actually hear about the pirate romance novel or manuscript i don't know if you guys remember that yeah 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 his velvety (laughs) hands like and i was like dude i need to hear more about this like novel this pirate romance novel so i kind of i thought it was really like uh kind of like an easter egg that this was dropped in here because i was like yes the pirate novel (laughs) (laughs) yes and Quincy is just so blown away by their feedback. He's so cute. He's, you know, he has like these tears in his eyes. And um, I forgot who pointed it out. I think it was Saucy Tuggles pointed out that, you know, he has this like, he brings his, he fists up his, his uh, arm his hand, and like brings them up to his chest. Like and that's like a signature Quincy move. And he has done that before. And I, I kind of didn't notice that he did that. And he's like, you guys, he's like, I know that. and then he's like crying and he's like shaking their hands. Like, yeah, I know how bizarre this sounds given how many fans I have, but thanks for taking a genuine interest in my stories. And Jacob's like, sure, technically it's just my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what makes people wonder like, yeah, really? <laughs> girlfriend? Yeah, no, I, I thought this was really sweet because we haven't had much like information as far as like, Quincy's past relationship with his other publisher but we do know that it went south and it kind of like I don't know if you guys even like remember like when he was in that corporate office like everybody's in suit and tie and it seems very like very very corporate and this company that Poppy works for like it seems very chill like everybody's like not in a suit and tie like they're kind of I mean look at our freaking fabulous girl over here wearing tie-dye pants to work you know like (laughs) I think it's just a very chill office and I and I think Quincy's gonna love it. I think this is more mm-hmm. his vibe. You know, he's yeah. And Quin- Quincy by the way is also wearing like gorgeous clothes. I mean he's it's you know, it's very casual. He's wearing like a V neck echo like green sweater and jeans, but wow, he looks amazing. It like matches with his green eyes and blonde hair and oh my god, he just looks so good. <laughs> Well, our boy Quincy always looks fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do think I do think genuinely Quincy is so happy to be with his his new work partners because I don't think he's had this kind of relationship in a work setting. So I think this is going to be like a really good change for him. Right, and you even you can even sense that from the lighting because the lighting at his old job was also was pretty dark. And here, the lighting at Poppy's workplace is always very bright. It's uh, their, The furniture is white. There's a lot of light in there. And, you know, you can sense it's just the whole thing is more optimistic and upbeat. Yes, yes, definitely. Even though we all know Gil is shady, but mm-hmm. overall here, like, we know everybody else is, is pretty cool and chill. So I think Quincy is going to really, like, do well in this company, even with Poppy as his publisher. Like, I think... He's going to, like, go places with this book, with this pirate romance story that I really want, like, a side story of. Yeah. I want to hear about these velvety hands. (laughs) (laughs) And anyway, you know, Regina is hilarious. And she, like, picks up on, you know, on the fact that this means a lot to Quincy. And she says, no hurt you, sweetie. And then you have this adorable panel of the like grumpy Torah with a cigarette and comments that he appears to have said, or that Quincy thinks he said, plot hole, plot hole, your story idea sucks, your character sucks, filler, plot holes, too short, you suck. And then, you know, he tells us he never said it's Quincy. So this is just like Quincy being a drama king. But you know, in Torah's defense, because I'm going to 
you know, defend my Torah. <laughs> you know, he did give he did give Quincy some pretty good feedback. Like, did he never like yeah, steer a boat or like held a rope in his life? Like, how is his hands <laughs> velvety? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was, I was like, okay, so he never said this stuff, like, your story sucks, your character sucks, like, it was actually pretty good feedback, but uh, I I thought it was kind of funny that they did, like, <laughs> he did bring this back, and, like, Tora's face is just kind of like, uh, really? <laughs> and, you know, then Quincy gets even more dramatic, and he's like, and this, you know, there's a different font for this one as well, and it's like... Let's just think there's a very toxic person in my life that you can finally let go of. Like, <laughs> oh, Hilarious. Jacob's like, uh, you need a hotline? <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. Yeah, and now, in, now we do see, like, a reference to, you know, the mafia and, like, the precautions we have to take. He says, thanks for signing the non-disclosure agreement, too. I hope you won't take it the wrong way. Working anonymously gives me peace of mind. And they say, yeah, sure, we already know that you work anonymously. And we're honored. Now, something that's interesting is that people pointed out is like, where is Gail with all this? You know, signing a new author, like, a, you know, signing a contract and then on NBA, that's a pretty big deal. You would think that Gil should be there, but he isn't. So we don't know why. Yeah, that makes, to me, that just makes him even like more shade here than given what we already like suspect about him. So I have a tinfoil kind of thing with this. So I think Gil is working in hand in hand with the the Bothman organization because I don't know if you guys remember in some past episodes like how he was talking about like he was going to meetings and things weren't looking so good and mm -hmm. if you guys never caught like when Poppy Googles the company the organization it kind of insinuates that they help small and large companies like grow their business in a way um, so I kind of feel like maybe Gil is now working for them or, you know, trying to close some deals with them. So I'm kind of curious if, like, now they're going to be... Because, like, even Gil kind of knows somewhat about this, like, notebook. In a way, it kind of led off that way. So I was like, well, how in the world would he even know about this notebook? So that's why mm -hmm. I started even kind of, like, going that route. Like, well, maybe now he's working with the, you know, the the clan, you know? I don't know. It could just be me, like, overthinking things. No, I mean, there's definitely something about Gil... Whether he found the notebook on Poppy's desk and now is suspicious of Poppy, whether he is working with the clan, selling secrets to make money to save his publishing house, we don't know. But there's something. Definitely, definitely. something. Yes. And the fact that, you know, um, now that Quincy, the vault human son, right, they, even if like they have a non disclosure agreement, they know his name. So, and Gil's going to know his name. So who knows what kind of mess this is going to lead into, which is exactly what Tora wanted to avoid, obviously, right? Can you yeah. want Poppy drive? So anyway, Poppy comes up and she's like, oh, here's a copy of her contract. And, you know, Jean and Jacob leave. And they're like, oh, thank God it's Friday. Really mm -hmm. cute. You know, he's like, he's, he's clearly very happy. And he has this like cutesy face and he says goodbye and looks like he's really happy with his new coworkers. And... You know, and then he tells he tells her, yeah, he's like, he pops. I like him already. And, you know, she's silent. And then Quincy is emotionally astute enough to ask her, he's like, what's wrong? You look like you're in a complete daze. And then she's like, oh, sorry, I didn't sleep very well last night. And then Quincy's like, you're writing something to myself. It's hilarious. He's like, are you perhaps worried about a certain someone? <laughs> and he knows. 
you know, he's got messages on his mind. Yeah, and then like you have Poppy and her like little blush. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> trying to deny it, but no. And then you see, like, despite what his how disastrously his meddling went yesterday, like that was one of Patreon said this. I forgot who, but he's like, here he is meddling again. He's like, oh, let me send Poppy to Tora's apartment because very next thing. Poppy is out from his apartment. And again, the, the art is so gorgeous. You know, it's like now we see it during the day and we see this beautiful tree in front of it. And it's just like, I don't know, the lighting is gorgeous. Everything just looks so realistic. It looks like it's a picture. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it looks amazing. Yes, yes. Yeah, so she's walking up. So, I mean, she knew where he lived because of the, they, she drove him there yesterday. So theoretically, she could have, you know, known that. But she could obviously told her which apartment he lived in. And she's Walking up, it looks like it's after work because the sun is setting, tapping up, and she has a bag in her hand and it's rustling, which is reminiscent of when Tora was visiting Poppy on the roof and he was he had he was rustling the bag that was in his in his pocket. So maybe she's bringing him food, maybe maybe she's bringing him a bento box, which you know who knows? There's so many possibilities. Maybe she's some people are like maybe she's returning his hoodie, which would be devastating. Or she's maybe she's returning his, his ring and bracelet. Which no, uh, no, don't. <laughs> we all know it's like girl law. Like we keep the sweater, right, girls? <laughs> we don't return that. <laughs> oh man, I I'm sorry. I'm like grinning from ear to ear because I know what's gonna happen next. <laughs> oh man, I just love it. And then she like goes and knocks on that door, looking cute as can be, with her little cactus shirt. Which, by the way, where can I get this? <laughs> I love that. That same with me. I, I want that cactus shirt she has. You know, honestly, like I think there needs to be like a MPL fashion line because i like every time i i yeah i read the stories i'm like where did they get that where did they get that dinosaur shirt with the guitar i want that mm-hmm. and like this shirt too like i saw and it was the first thing i saw i was like dude i need this shirt <laughs> but yes then she goes and knocks on that door and there comes our greek god <laughs> <laughs> our greek god <laughs> oh man okay so i'll let you guys talk because like my mouth i just can't stop smiling (laughs) (laughs) i can't either yeah, we're open to the door. He's wearing a tank top, and you first see—he's in the shadow. You only see a little bit of light. The lighting here is gorgeous. You know, Poppy's in light. He's in dark. It's the classic Tora Poppy thing. And you see—you know, this is Poppy has not seen his so much of his body yet. You know, she's seen him in, in shirts. She's seen—you uh, know—his his arms, some of his arms, like with the the tattoos on them. But here, he's in a tank top. So you know, you see a lot of his chest, and you know, we know Tora has got some impressive arms, and she's able to see that. And here he is. He opens the door. And first he looks, you know, his first sight, he doesn't think they recognize her. Um, people were asking about the people. Uh, Lily made some comments about them on the Patreon. So if you want to see that, you have to check that out. But he um, he doesn't think they recognize her first. And then he has this very surprised look. He that his nose is still a little red. Uh, he seems to be doing better than yesterday, as I think at least. But he looks completely shocked to see her there. And the last 
panel is a poppy. You know, and somebody mentioned that poppy has, um, I think Nordor mentioned that poppy has the same apprehensive look on her face that she did when she was on the rooftop with him. And she's been wearing a similar cutesy outfit as well. Her hair is in a very similar, similar hairstyle as well. So, you know, you know, everybody, everybody's hoping, obviously, like we, we, we could hope for a similar, uh, event that happened on the roof. But I think poppy is also looking, you know, she is looking apprehensive and she doesn't know what, how he'll react. And, um, yeah, and we don't know either. So what do you guys think? What do you guys think of how he'll react? Up I, I'm either one of two things. Um, the first one is um, what everyone is saying that, or at least what I've seen from the comments and also um, in the Facebook group, Tora's probably going to close the door on her. Either that, which I hope that doesn't happen, but either that, uh, and I don't know where I saw this. I saw that um, either they're going to have like some talk and Tor's probably going to see someone from the Baltimore organization. Uh, probably just uh, drag her in into his apartment. So either one of those two, two things I feel like might happen. Well, I'm going to just say what we all want. Poppy's going <laughs> to nuzzle her face into those pectorals and just motorboat her face in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we all know that ain't going to happen. So y'all, yeah. all of us, even myself, <laughs> stop being so thirsty. But... Um, <laughs> I yes, there's a lot that we want. Yes, there's a lot that we want, but we ain't gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think that this interaction can go either way. Like, we can either get this, like, serious conversation between Tora and Poppy because, you know, the stuff that Quincy had told her, you know, about, like, oh, no, he's just kidding. Like, he's not, like, seriously in the mafia. You know, he's just, like, my bodyguard, whatever. And you can see that Poppy was genu like she was genuinely hurt by that information. And we can also mm -hmm. associate that information with like her past experience and relationship with her ex. So, you know, in a way, I kind of feel like Poppy is very hurt about that. And I I do think that she can either have that conversation with him, like, are you being serious? Were you telling me the truth? Or she can see like, well, he's still sick. So maybe I shouldn't have that conversation with him and just drop off this food and like, hope you get better. Here you go. You know, or yeah. we can get her like go in there and like take care of him. But I don't think he's going to let her in. I kind of have this feeling that he's not going to. Yeah. And uh, what you just said about uh, Poppy and her feeling like hurt that I had posted this. I feel like, well, this is just me, but I feel like Tora's just gonna, because, you know, like in the beginning, uh, when they have, when Tora walks out on her at that sushi place, she tells him she doesn't want any more, like, boy problems. And I just feel like whatever's gonna, that Tora's like, and I hope it's not like this, but I feel like he's just gonna become another problem for her. She, and she just like, got out of a bad like toxic relationship with someone and she does not need another one but i hope that doesn't happen with tora well tora ain't a boy he is a full good looking man so <laughs> yeah so we could uh, she could probably handle that one right <laughs> yeah that's true. but i mean she's not she's not afraid of him yeah yeah we've seen that too she's not afraid of him she's not yeah, he's intimidating, but she still confronts him, which is kind of pretty, like, ballsy of her, like, <laughs> which is funny because, you know, Taurus is like, you know what they say, like, you know, big balls. Yeah. 
Yeah, we and we've seen that. So I think we're either gonna get like serious, like hardcore poppy, like wanting confrontation and like to talk about it, or we're gonna get like you know, like more like sweet poppy where she's just nurturing, wanting to take care of him. I want that. Yeah, I think we all do. <laughs> I think we yeah. all do, and I just hope Tora is ready to receive that as well. <laughs> what do you think, Mindy? So I'm opting for the not ready to receive it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just quote um, Danielle Mitchell's comment because it was so good and it just really encapsulates um, a lot. So I'm just, I'm just gonna read what she wrote. Um, she knows he's not going to be capable of accepting Poppy and dealing with this. And so this is what she says. He just opened the door to a lot. First of all, it's not like he's used to getting guests. We learned he moves a lot by design to keep people from finding him or catching him off guard so he can actually sleep. Anyone showing up unannounced at his front door feels threatening, especially when he had no idea who's outside. He probably has a gun in his hand behind the door. Second, he's extremely aware of surveillance from enemies. He himself has taken so many precautions to be sure he's safe invisible to his men. He knows that a, a private investigator could be watching his house and here she comes, just completely waving the flag of her existence to anyone who would be stalking him. So panic. Third, although his apartment is not a home that's convenient for him to get some Jedi, it's not a safe place for him or a place he enjoys being. It reminds me a lot of the cell he would be thrown in as a child. It's part of Vincent's reminders that he was a kennel dog. Always reminds me of Ulan's dog spirit. Being there must make him feel vulnerable to an extent. And he would never in a million years want Poppy to see him as the fragile child he is. He's been putting on bravado to flirt with her, but seeing his dungeon shatters any ability to posture. Fourth, he is so deeply ashamed of how he acted. Even when he was in the moment at the restaurant, he was trying to apologize to her. He's now had all night to stew in, de in degrading him his self-worth and wallowing in shame. He already feels like he doesn't deserve her, and he's probably convinced she'll never come back. But he's also heard and can't help but be supportive of Poppy and Cynthia as they get excited about their dreams. He feels worthless, but he wants them to be happy, and he shit all over it by acting out, so he's feeling ashamed. Finally, he's demonstrated before that he pines for her. He deeply wants to just be close to her, even if he can't touch her. They just resonate with each other and see each other for who they are, or has never not been totally honest about his criminal association. One of the first things he does is hand her a literal business card with his criminal organization stamped on it. He knows she's smart and capable. He can't help but put her in his mind, so he's hopeful. And I love that comment because I thought it really, there's so much detail there, and yeah, I think that this is very complex for Tora, and I don't know what he'll do. I don't think, I do think that he might, like, want to try to slam the door in her face, and Poppy will stop him, and then he'll confront him, but I do think that he's feeling very vulnerable, because he doesn't let anybody into his private life, you know, his his home is, like, the place where he goes to be away from the world and shut himself off, and I do agree, like, he's probably very ashamed of, of himself, of his house, of his situation, and I don't think he's ready to let Poppy in then, but she might push herself in, both yeah, into his heart and his home. Yeah, that comment, well. that comment was really good. It was really profound. It was very detailed, and I think they really hit the, like, they hit it home. Like, I mean, that is so true. Like, I'm even just, like, letting those words marinate in my brain, and I'm like, dude, like, that is so true. Yeah, I think, I think, like you said, I think it was very profound. So, I don't know if Tori's ready. Um, you know, he's a big, like you said, he's a big man, he's not a boy, but emotionally he's not strong. Yeah. And I don't think he can process that level of intervention in his life. And, you know, it's hard to receive love. Like when you, when you had to throw away love for so long and you never got love and you had to throw away any positive emotion because it was just going to hurt you, 
you grow accustomed to that. Like you, you cannot receive love and he's not, I don't think he's ready to receive love and caring and affection. I don't know. But he, and on the other hand, he did ask her for another kiss on that roof. So he does seek it out on, in, in other ways. He, and he is constantly searching out for her touch. But so who knows? I don't know if he's at this moment ready to receive it. Yeah. But that was different though. Cause they were in an outside setting and like not a, this, you know, that comment about being vulnerable in like, his house you know like it's it's so true like the dog is in his cage like this is a very very vulnerable state and man oh i i don't know what's gonna happen next but best believe i'll be spending my coins on that next episode <laughs> oh yeah i will too <laughs> well thank you so so much abby and sarah for coming on to this episode it was really good thank you so much no thanks for having thanks us for having us yeah it was great. I enjoyed it so much. Yes, me yeah. too. And I definitely will be enjoying and looking forward to the next one. Amen to oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, see you later. See ya. Bye. Bye.